Hi there, this is the Woman Inspired Podcast. I'm Karen. I'm your host. If you'd like more information about me or this podcast, go to womaninspired.com, womaninspired.com. I am so happy that you landed here with me today for this episode, which is titled, What Does It Mean to Be Christ-like? I could have thought of some peppy, funny, silly name, which I normally do. It just kind of rolls out of me, you know, some sort of little catchy, quippy, goofy title. This time it didn't. It just kept sticking. Stay simple. Keep it simple, Karen. Um, So unlike most of us who are uh, extremely complicated, this episode is not. (laughs) Okay, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, liking, following, and sharing this podcast. It's so amazing to me that people from all over the world listen to this podcast. But honestly, if you listen to this podcast in the United States, that's where I have the fewest numbers. I don't know why. Maybe because there's more competition. Uh, Although, you know, podcasts you can listen to anywhere and most of them are available all over the world. Not all of them, but most of them. So I would love it if you would please just share this podcast with someone you know. I would greatly appreciate it. All right. And here are some pod quotes for today's episode. This is from Charles Hodge. To be in Christ is the source of the Christian life. To be like Christ is the sum of his excellence. To be with Christ is the fullness of his joy. And here is a good one from good old C.S. Lewis. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. I love that. All right. If you're a Christian, and probably even if you're not a Christian, you'll often hear people say things about being Christ-like, which is what today's episode is about. And you may have read or been told in church or by someone on a podcast like this that each of us should be on a perpetual journey throughout our lifetime to be more Christ-like. We should have a Christ-like attitude and that attitude should extend to our actions, by the way, not just something we mull over in our thoughts. We hear it often. I, I know that I do. Do you? I mean, at least in The circles that I run in, I don't really run anymore, but anyway, in the world that I live, in this little part of the world, because it's not my world, it's God's, but in this little part of the world, in things that I do, I hear people say it often. You read in books, it's preached in the pulpit, you're going to hear it on this podcast, you'll hear it on other podcasts, or read it in blogs, you know, especially when someone's talking about being Christ-like, but here's the thing. We throw the word or the term Christ-like into a lot of things, but we never really talk about what it means to be Christ-like. What what does that mean? Does that mean we're supposed to go around wearing robes with sandals on our feet? Are we supposed to be on a quest to darken our skin or lighten our skin if need be and allow our hair to grow really long like we've been out in the desert for years and years? So we look like Christ? Is it primarily about the attitude or the language? Are we to attempt to walk on water or are we just supposed to be Christ-like in as far as the idea of trying to be perfect? 
it's interesting because I'm not sure I've ever heard a sermon in a church before or even online or on a video about what exactly it means to be Christ-like. Now, we might think it's a no-brainer because if you know anything about Jesus Christ, you understand that he has certain attributes that most people would want to copy. Yeah, like like you. I, I would, like you probably, like to copy the whole walking on water thing, because I think that's cool. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Is it the way that he dealt with difficult situations that we're supposed to mimic? The way that he didn't lose control of his emotions and feelings? The way that he was fair and impartial and just and discerning? All of these things embody a sense of Christ like perfection that we as human beings do not have. And so definitely, I think we should be trying to emulate those, but I think that it's much more than that. So in, in a March 2020 article on the Theology in Raw website, an author wrote that when people say they want to become more like Jesus, they usually mean they want to become a moral person. Such morality is often defined by religious values as shaped by a modern Christian subculture, not all of which is bad. My suspicion, though, is that if we look closely at Jesus without our modern moralistic filter, fewer people would want to become more like Jesus. So the article goes on to talk about how if someone were to truly be more like Jesus and living like he did, that would mean they would have to commit to never being married, commit to being celibate their entire life, to having the, the highest sense of morality and working extremely hard without a paycheck and work not to ever mess up basically in anything they say or do. They would have to commit to no personal possessions, no wealth, not even know where their next meal is going to come from most of the time. And most people would not choose to live that way. So in most dictionaries, the term Christ-like is referred to as or defined as embodying and mimicking the spirit of Jesus Christ. Okay, I get that. Um, by spirit here, they are not referring to the Holy Spirit. They are meaning the spirit or the essence of who Jesus was. So that's not really definitive in a definition, is it? I mean, that's like when someone asks you, what is a woman? And you use the word woman to define what a woman is, which doesn't answer the question. Like if someone says, what is a woman? And the person answers a person who has woman-like tendencies. That does not define what a woman is. So it's the same type of circular talk here when I looked up these definitions. Because when someone says being Christ-like means resembling Christ, um, okay, but but what does that mean? And more importantly, what does that look like? Because we can talk all day long about what Christ-like means, but what does it look like? Because at some point, being Christ-like is an action. If you're going to be like Christ, then you must put that into action because be is an actionable verb. It is a doing. It is not a thinking of or a surmising of or a pondering about or, or hoping to be. It is being. It is an act of doing something. So in order to be Christ-like, you must do something. What does the doing something Christ-like look like? What does it consist of? 
An interesting note about this, I thought, well, maybe I'm asking the wrong question. So I googled the question, what must you do to be Christ-like? The answers were interesting. They, they really were akin to answers that I got from elementary school kids in uh, Sunday school when I was a children's pastor. Here are some of the answers from the internet, from adults. And these were, were pooled and, and, you know, question answers that um, people were uh, giving after they were questioned. And this is like thousands upon thousands of, of people answering the same way. All right. So here were the, the top choices of what it means to be Christ-like. Read your Bible. Tithe regularly. Worship Jesus Christ. Share with others about Jesus Christ. Attend church regularly. Exemplify Jesus Christ to others. Be an obedient Christian. I had, I'll stop there. I had to laugh because again, here these are answers that wholly relate to a circular type of answer because what it's saying is that if we're to be Christ-like, that means we must be like Christ. Um, in some of these answers, but then some of them made no sense to me because when it comes down to common sense and to answer some what I think is a pretty common and simple question that many new and seasoned Christians might have about what does it mean to be Christ-like, simply put, I would say that we're supposed to be like him when he walked on this earth. Is that correct? Do you, what do you think? Is, the, is that in debate? I mean, isn't that what Christ-like means in the very essence of it? Like I said earlier, is to be like Jesus was when he walked on this earth. That's the example we have in the Bible. I mean, that is in the Bible. But the Christ whose actions have been recorded, read, reread, and taught for centuries are not what I just read as answers from Google. I mean, the, I don't think that's in debate, but when we say we want to be Christ-like, that means we want to be like the person and Holy Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Jesus of the New Testament. So some of these answers that I just read are just plain invalid and strange because Jesus Christ didn't go around sharing with others about Jesus Christ. He just was. <laughs> he was the example. He didn't go around saying, you must accept me. And yet that was one of the answers on how to be Christ-like, <laughs> to tell people about Jesus and to exemplify Christ-like appearance. So he shared about our Heavenly Father and the prophetic vision that was to come of his death and resurrection and his ascension and his return. So yes, but he shared with people about the right and the wrong way to live via his wisdom and in parables. And of course he performed miracles. Jesus Christ though did not attend church regularly. He's the cornerstone and foundation of the church, by the way, we are a member of the body of Christ. He is literally the body of Christ. So some of these answers, I just, I, I just had to kind of giggle over and also roll my eyes because also Jesus didn't read his Bible every day. They didn't have the New Testament then. What? So that was one of the answers, right? Read your Bible every day. Um, okay. And he didn't tithe to himself. So I'm just saying he did not worship himself. Although those were the answers, worship Jesus, tithe. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I think there's a lot of people who 
don't know what it means to be Christ-like or they're confused. And perhaps that fallacy or falsehood of what being Christ-like is may be some of the reasons that people don't want any part of what the current church says is Christ-like because they don't understand it. And they're listening to what a lot of people in church, long-churched people, are saying is Christ-like. And some of it might sound mixed up or unattainable or like they're expected to be perfect. You know, they're going around thinking that they have to be perfect in order to be a part of this body of Christ. That they're under a microscope and people are watching their every move, expecting them to stand on the street corners and scream about Jesus Christ and attend church every time the doors open and nearly walk on water, having their nose in the Bible every second of the day. Because after all, apparently the world thinks that's what being Christ-like is. So in researching, I finally found a resource that wrote about it in the best way that I found so far. It's a good portion of accuracy, simplicity, and truth in, in what they call Christlikeness. And it's from youthministry.org. It says, what is Christlikeness? It is the growing process of a Christian's attitude, their inner life, and character, their outer life, toward the example of Christ through the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. What? Yes. I was like, yes, I was so glad when I read that. I'm going to repeat it for you. What is Christlikeness? It is the growing process of a Christian's attitude, their inner life, and character, their outer life, toward the example of Christ through the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. I thought it was spot on. They reference Galatians 5.16 where it says, Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And I wholeheartedly agree. Because you see, when we walk by the Holy Spirit, because the Spirit here in Galatians, when it talks about Spirit, is with a capital S, which means the Holy Spirit. So in case you didn't know, in the Bible, when there is a small s, it means a spirit, meaning it could mean the spirit of someone who had died, because yes, that is in the Bible, or the essence of something, or it could mean the spirit of the moment or the thought or the meaning behind an action. Like I have a spirit of thankfulness, or let's get into the Christmas spirit. You know, I have a spirit of joyfulness, which means, you know, kind of an emotional outpouring, the spirit of the event. But when you see a capital S on the word spirit in the Bible, it means the Holy Spirit. So here Galatians is talking about the Holy Spirit when it says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So what they're saying is that if you are to be Christ-like, then you will allow the Holy Spirit to walk with you and to envelop you. And in that way, you will die to the desires of your own flesh so that your decisions and your attitude, your inner life, your outer life, and the way you live your life will not be guided by your flesh and by the world, but by the Holy Spirit and the power within you through the Holy Spirit. Then you will walk in a Christ-like manner. You will live a life that is Christ-like. And I contend that if you do this, it will show in the way that you live, in your attitude, you know, the inner part and in the outer part, in your character, in the things that you do, the choices you make. Will it make you perfect? No, it won't. <laughs> now, the more Christ-like you are, 
I, I just have to tell you right now, and I'll caution you, the more Christ-like you are, the more others will perceive you as acting like you're perfect or better than them, even if you aren't acting that way. So just a warning here. I have lived this myself. I am not perfect. In fact, I am far, far from perfect. If you have listened to any portions of at least a few of my podcast episodes, you will understand how imperfect I am. If you know me at all and actually get to know me, you'll understand that I am far from perfect. I readily admit it. I readily admit when I'm wrong or confused or messed up, but I am being perfected daily by walking with the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to envelop me and grow me daily into a more Christ-like person, but not just in appearance or countenance, but Christ-like from the inside out. And let me tell you, when that happens, it guides your decisions. So you might change a little bit of how you talk and what you do and who you hang around with and how authentic and transparent you are and how truthful and honest you are and what you tolerate and what you don't tolerate. It will change your level of joy in a way that you can't even fathom sometimes. And that joy shows, that joy shows even when you're not trying to show it. It will change your mental state, your goals, your priorities. It gives a sense of peace that some other people can't understand. And when that happens, there very well may be some people in your life that will become very uncomfortable with it and they won't want any part of you anymore. They will just completely walk away, turn their backs on you, distance without even telling you. Some will tell you. They will say to you that you are acting like you're perfect, even though you've never even said a word. You're not walking around acting like you're better than everybody else. You're not walking around trying to throw pious words at people and preaching at them. You're just living your life the way you think Christ wants you to live your life and be Christ-like. And still, there will be people who will be so uncomfortable with it that they push you away. Because when you walk into a room, you have the presence of the Holy Spirit with you and it convicts them. It convicts them. When they see how you deal with situations versus how they deal with situations, and especially compared to maybe how you used to deal with situations, they're not going to like it. Because people who are outside the Lord and don't tolerate Christ-like things and Christ-like people want nothing to do with true Christ-like people. Now, there are other people who don't know Christ, even though they may know about him, and they may actually admire you, who you are and how you are becoming or, or they love who you are and they're attracted to it and they want to be around you because they feel something that they can't necessarily pinpoint, but they just love the joy in you and they love the peace in you and they love being around you. That might happen too. And you might sometimes get more support from people like that who don't even fully know the Lord than you do from those who say they do, who say they are Christians, but don't walk in a Christ-like manner. So there's that warning there. But, but I say all this to say that it should show. Being Christ-like should show. It should show in your actions, your deeds, your thought patterns, your choices, your priorities. Not that you're being perfect because you can't be. Sorry to tell you, but you can't be. But you can be Christ-like. And if you don't make the mark today, you get to try again tomorrow. And if you don't cut the grade tomorrow, you could try again the next day. That's the way it works. 
When I mess up one day, I work harder the next day not to. You can't go back and do over the weeks and years in your past because you can try harder not to repeat the same mistakes, but you can't redo the ones that you already made. When I have a bad day and I start yelling, which does happen occasionally, and sometimes, as hard as I try not to, cuss words fly out of my mouth before I have a chance to close it. I I have to go to the Lord with it and tell him I'm sorry. If foul stuff comes out of me and I let my mind race or I go to a really negative place and I become anxious and angry when I know I don't have to, I have to take it to the Lord because he's the only one that can bring me back to the place he needs me to be. And it happens because I'm not perfect. I'm human. Um, And that's not an excuse. That's reality. But boy, I sure do a lot less of that kind of stuff now than I ever used to because I have the Holy Spirit within me and my quest is to die to my flesh and not be ruled by the desires that go on inside me that are influenced by the world and that this sin nature wants me to do. So over the years, I have learned that people that I have things in common with as far as people who are on the same kind of quest, even in just the small things of daily life, to be more Christ-like, that I can see in them what I hope they see in me. I see this Holy Spirit-generated love and joy, peace, generosity, kindness, and compassion, intolerance to evil, love of righteousness, and pouring out of them. The fact that they know what is right and they know right from wrong, and they're far less tolerant to do to do something that's wrong or condone something that's wrong than they used to be. That makes me see that they too are on a quest to be more Christ-like. It shows. I see people who love justice, and they know that if justice can't be had here on earth, it's okay. It may not be fun and comfortable, but it's okay. They can let it go because they know the Lord will take care of it one day. That's what I see. That's Christ-like. But I also see it not just in those attitudes of theirs and in the way they say things or just because I know who they are and I know that they belong to the Lord. I know they are on that same quest because I see it in the things I watch them do. Now, I'm going to give you an example. I know a woman who, due to some unexpected health challenges the past year and some difficult housing situations for senior citizens, that she's ended up having to live in an assisted living senior apartment community. And part of it is assisted living and part of it is not, but it's it's all geared towards 55 and older and people with disabilities. So she has an apartment with a balcony and it's it's pretty much all inclusive. It's like I call it like a cruise ship on land because they have an activities director, cafeteria, private dining rooms, library, game room, laundry, you know, and regular events. They play bingo and they have concerts come in and people come and play the piano and they have church services there and they have just huge open spaces you can be in and beautiful grounds. It's just a gorgeous place. And she has her own private apartment with a little kitchenette and a a nice handicap accessible bathroom and bedroom, living area and a balcony. And it's not huge, but it's not real small either. I mean, it wouldn't rival a tiny New York City apartment for sure, but it's not huge either. It's pretty much just right for one person. And you know, some people end up in a situation like hers and they let it take them down. 
mentally, emotionally, physically, they just kind of cave in. But this place encourages participation and joyful living, you know, living while you're alive. And for the most part, these are not people who are on their deathbed. These are people that just need a little extra help in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. So I was there one day and I was visiting her and we got a little private dining area so we could just eat lunch together. I brought lunch in for her, although I really didn't need to because apparently the food there is fantastic and they have a chef and they get three meals a day and snacks and coffee and whatever else they want in between, I think, even though they have a kitchenette in their apartments. But this woman in just her beautiful Christ-like heart, she has a, a, a Christ-like demeanor and, and her Christ-like actions. Um, <laughs> I just, I have to tell you about them. I have to share because when I was thinking about Christ-like in this podcast, I thought that that's it, that that's what I need to share. Um, for the last four, three or four weeks, she has been eating lunch and dinner every day with the same gentleman. And no, I know what you're thinking. It's not a setup. She's not, she's not looking for a man, but she saw a man, uh, weeks ago sitting at a table by himself. And every time he came to eat, he would sit by himself. Occasionally an, uh, an older woman would come and sit with him, but they would never talk. He was very quiet. He just, th that was it. But most of the time he would sit by himself. She finally went over one day and introduced herself to him. And in the process found out that he was deaf. He wasn't deaf his whole life long. And in fact, he'd only become deaf the last 10 years, I think she said. He doesn't know sign language, although he can motion for things. And so the only way that others can communicate with him that he can understand is by them writing things down. They try to mouth things and sometimes he gets it, but sometimes, well, a lot of times he doesn't get it. He's 96 years old. So she started sitting with him at lunch and at dinner every day, and she brings a pad of paper with her. She writes down things she wants to tell him and questions she wants to ask him so that he can read it, and then he speaks out loud his answers to her. Half the people there didn't even know if he could speak or not, but no one had ever really talked to him. He was depressed. He was alone. And I know all of this because one of the cooks from the kitchen came out to see if we needed anything. And then I saw her later when I was leaving and she told me all about it. I knew my friend had made a friend and was eating lunch with an older gentleman every day and that he was deaf and a retired pastor in his 90s. But I didn't know the full story. So every day she sits and converses with this man who has now apparently come to life. He has a friend. He has someone to talk to. He has someone who's taken the time to notice who he is and that he was alone and probably lonely. She took the time to notice the people around her, to see who was in need. She took the time to understand from her heart that there was something she could do. A small gesture, a couple of times a day for a half hour or an hour that is helping a 96-year-old man feel cared for or valued and alive again. That's my friend, and that's what being Christ-like looks like. Are you wondering how to be Christ-like? I encourage you to read the Bible and see what Christ was truly like. Read his words, the letters in red. 
Understand not just how he lived, but how he tells us to live. Because at John 13, 34 through 35 is Jesus saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this scripture from 1 John three seventeen through 18, most surely was written on my friend's heart because she is living it out. It says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. She is loving in deed and in truth. What does she have to give him? She's in this place. She's not wealthy. She has her time and attention and enough care and understanding to have a conversation with him that he can understand. That's what she has to give him. And in James two fourteen through 17, it tells us this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also have faith by itself. Also, excuse me, also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it is dead. Your faith should also be action. Just like being Christ-like is not just something in your mind. It's an action you take. Whether it's showing someone love, talking to them, listening to them, giving to them, serving somewhere. That's what Christ-likeness looks like. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Woman Inspired Podcast. I pray that you have a very blessed week. Thank you.